Hello and welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandan. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're joined by the amazingly talented Damana Rafiq, founder, owner and designer of fashion brand Damana The Label. We chat about Damana's experience starting a business and the significance of fashion in our South Asian culture. But before we jump in, we just wanted to say a massive thank you for all your love through the first 10 episodes of our podcast. We are so grateful for your support. It keeps us going and pushes us to keep doing better. And one thing we want to work on in our future episodes is how we interact with our listeners to hear more from you. We'll share more info towards the end of our episode. Now on to today's podcast. Tamana, thank you so much for joining us. Um, truthfully, I'm a huge fan of your line. I think I followed you when you guys first launched the Saturn Sari collection yes. in like 2019 yes, or something yes. like that. But um, we're so stoked to have you on and it's really great to see a South Asian female killing it in the fashion business or in business in general. For sure. And admittedly, I don't have the best fashion sense. <laughs> so I think after we record this, I might need to get some tips from you. I have to help. To start off with, what sparked your interest in fashion? I had a little bit of think about this and I realised that just growing up in the 90s, I was just completely enamoured by all the pop stars. So like back then, all we would do is like watch Rage and like Video Hits. Mm. You guys remember that show? Yeah. And so I think just being completely obsessed with like their clothes and what they were wearing, I think that's what initially sparked it. And I remember the first ever like memory I have of like, just being completely obsessed with someone's clothes. It's just when Shania Twain's um, Man, I Feel Like a Woman video clip came out. Nice. Her freaking like thigh high boots, like yes. the gloves, the net over the eyes, the black eyeliner. I had like no business like wanting to dress like that at like such a young age. But I think that's just <laughs> what kind of like opened my eyes to like the world of fashion. I think my equivalent was Will Smith in Fresh Prince mm, of Bel-Air. Yes. Prince. Just all those yeah. funky yeah. colors and stuff. I feel like you still dress a bit like that now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the sweaters and stuff. Oh, that's amazing. So I guess speaking of that, what does fashion mean to you is it a self-expression thing your sense of identity what what does it mean to you it's just been such a big part of my life like growing up like I've always been super picky about the things that I wear and my mom's always told me that like I've given her such a hard time and like like if I don't want if I don't like what I'm wearing like you'll be able to see it on my face and like I'll just give her hell until like she would like let me change so I think naturally I just gravitated towards like I think the self-expression side so I just loved how you could throw on something and it would be like a true reflection of like what you're feeling and it just helps me put my best foot forward and it gives me that like extra little like spring in my step when I'm like feeling my outfit. So I think that's what I kind of honed in on. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So did you start to dress yourself at a young age? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like yeah. I always had like big opinions. Even if I didn't have opinions about anything else, like I had an opinion about what I was wearing. <laughs> and that's how I know like it's like the right path for me. Yeah. Um, and I guess around that too, who would you say, I guess aside from Shania Twain and yeah. her video clip, who would you say is a, an inspiration for you fashion-wise even um, now? Oh my God, so many people. The first one's probably like Rihanna. I just love it. I want her entire wardrobe. Um, who else? So many people online I've been seeing, like, there's this DJ called Peggy Goo. I'm not sure if you've heard of her, but she just wears, like, the sickest clothing and she, like, seamlessly blends into, like, like, shirts and stuff, but, like, she'll wear, like, a dress the next day and just kind of, like, play on both sides. So anyone that kind of, like, bends the rules a little bit, like, I really like that. That's awesome. Um, so your fashion company, Tamana The Label, how did that all kind of start? Um, so I, so I've been working in corporate for a while, um, and I was just completely like miserable. I like, I hated it so much. I don't know why I did it for so long. Um, but 
everyone around me knew that I didn't really want to be there and they knew that I loved fashion. So they would tell me stories about like people like Jane Liu. I'm not sure you've heard of yes, her. Shopo. Yeah, so yeah. she started Shopo. Um, and also the guys who started um, Oscar Wiley. So they mm-hmm. were like people like around us, like friends of friends. And so they'd tell me like people that had been using Instagram and like social media to kind of hone in on their passion and actually make it like a reality. So I thought that these stories like – they were from real people that like actually existed around us. So I was like, if they can do it, like I can do it as well. Mm. Um, and so I thought like my passion for fashion was there. And so I just kind of like needed to start like the Instagram and the social media and like everything else would like follow suit. So that's how it kind of came about. That's awesome. And how grueling or how scary of a process was it to kind of take that leap? Um, so it wasn't like grueling to say like it, it was really exciting like it was actually like such an exciting thing for me to do like after work the grueling part was when I like I actually had to like get my like hands dirty and go to like Bangladesh and actually start like that process so that came like a year after I started my Instagram and I'm like oh my god okay this is where the freaking work starts because you guys have been to like Asia right like it's just a lot of like sitting in traffic just trying to like not get scammed by everyone because you don't speak the language um doing like the best with like what's available to you so like I might have had like a vision in mind for how I wanted it to be but I, I have to work with what I can get my hands on um and just being able to work with like the capabilities of my tailors so that part was just like I had to get my head around the fact that business was just going to be like a series of like unfortunate events right. with like a beacon of light every now and then so I was like once I got used to that I was like well, I'm still getting used to it, by the way. Like, I'm not, like, just, like, oh, everything's perfect. Like, I'm still getting used to the fact that that's just how it's going to be. So it was grueling in that extent, and it still is. I think it's just, mm. just how it that is. I mean, like, such a steep learning curve. It was yeah. such a steep learning uh, Going from, like, corporate, like, going to my office job every day where, like, you can kind of leave your worries at work. And I was probably doing that because, like, I was just, just not that invested in my job. To that going from, like, being super invested in all of the ups and the downs. Um, like, at the end of the day, like, I put up like a few designs but what it took to like get those designs up online like no one ever is ever going to understand unless yeah. you actually see the process um it's just a lot of hard work mm. yeah. yeah that's amazing so why was it I, I know you said you you weren't super fond of the corporate life yeah. but why was it that you decide to pivot to starting your own fashion label mm. rather than maybe being a stylist yeah. or a designer yeah. or, or going to that side of things I really did go back and forth um and those questions were like constantly on my mind when I was in corporate because it just seemed like the logical thing to do like if I didn't like working in an accounting firm then why not just work in a fashion company but I think the thing was like I just didn't want to be um in the same position just in a, in a fashion company and I, mm. I just thought that like it would be so much more exciting for me to start my own thing even if it was going to be harder at least I was going to be able to like do the things that I like which was designing and because I didn't really have a degree in design I just couldn't see myself getting like a design job anywhere like mm. who was going to give me like a design job so and it was such an exciting time for like people like myself who wanted to start businesses because it's like social media gave you like so much power to be able to do that with like minimal capital you didn't have to sink that much money into it and it was actually giving power back to like just individuals like me so I was just really thankful that's awesome so for people who are listening who might not know about Tamina's fashion business um it's called Tamina the label um and it's kind of putting a, a kind of a modern spin on South Asian clothing how did that kind of concept come about that concept came about because I just thought I could add 
more to the South Asian fashion scene and like more to the narrative. I had something actually like of value to add um, because I felt like just growing up in Australia, we had a lot of access to traditional um, like South Asian clothing and obviously like our access to Westerners clothing was very um, like just limitless. But a space didn't really exist for people like me who grew up brown in a Western culture. So something tangible to just represent our sort of hybrid existence. Mm. And I thought that like it would be really exciting and something really liberating for me to do. And if it made me feel like empowered, then there's a few people around the world that would also feel empowered by this endeavor. So I think that's what really drew me to like create this sort of like fusion space. Yeah. It that's just awesome. yeah. yeah. And you can really see that like in your designs as well, because they're super unique. When you yeah. look at an item of your clothing, you know it's yours. It's mm. your it's from your label. It's not over the top in terms of just chucking on heaps of sparkles and like er, a bit of everything like you sometimes see in yeah. Indian clothing, which is still beautiful yeah. for South Asian clothing, but yours is unique in that way, which I love. I guess on the flip side of that, do you feel like because you are putting a modern spin on like very traditional clothing that you've had anyone come and tell you that you're, what you're doing is like too out there or isn't fair to the culture or whatever um yeah the aunties and uncles talk shit about me all the time like (laughs) they stay talking shit about me (laughs) um yeah so I think I've just had to block it out because they just won't understand um what it feels like to grow up as like kids of the migrants that came yeah Yeah. so I think they'll just won't understand our experiences um and we have to just stay true to who we are um I remember I went to my best friend's engagement and I was wearing like one of my designs and the night before my mum just like chucked a massive spaz because it didn't have a dupatta, like an orna with it and I was like mum it doesn't go with the outfit please and she was like no like I'm not going if you wear this so I had to go to spotlight and get an orna I was like I'm not changing the outfit I'm just going to put an orna with it okay so what's the orna a dupatta like the shawl shawl on top so I'm like all right that's fine I'm going to put that on the next day I went there and the aunties and uncles still talk shit about it. Like they still talk shit about the fact that my blouse was like a little shorter than they liked and it was sleeveless. So I was like, you know what? You really can't please everyone. Yeah. Even if you try, like you won't yeah. be able to. So There'll always be something that they complain about yeah. or that they don't agree with necessarily, exactly. but you can't lose your individuality yeah, exactly. because of that. Especially because I think something we've spoken about a few times on the podcast before is how older generations, we know that they've faced hardship migrating to the Western world, but as we won't fully understand their hardship, they won't understand ours being Mm. between two cultures. So if you can find ways of expressing that fusion, like through clothes, embrace it. Like no one should be saying anything bad about it because it's such a beautiful thing to Exactly. And it it doesn't, the criticism doesn't start and end with just clothes. It seeps into a lot of other parts of our life. So if if it wasn't clothes, it would be the fact that you're not getting married or Mm. you're not having kids fast enough or weight gain, weight loss, our skin. Like it's so many other different things. And so I just feel like I can start to reclaim my identity by just simply putting on clothes that actually reflect who I am. And if I can push back on that, then I feel like I will feel a bit more powerful to like do it with other things as well. It's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we don't really connect the dots between how our clothes kind of present who we are. Mm. So like seeing you do it is super cool. Um, But going back to what you were saying, how, you know, some people in our cultures kind of question decisions we make. I feel like I'm making an assumption here, but there would have been people in your circles who questioned you leaving a corporate job to pursue a startup in fashion. 
um, what was kind of their, like your family's reaction to you oh, taking that leap? Yeah, my parents just were not happy with that decision at all. They were crying, there, there were tears. There were lots of, there was lots of yelling. Oh, oh my gosh. So they wanted me to do my CA because I had done accounting. And so they were like, you know, the typical, why did I come to this country if you're not going to be a doctor? <laughs> like all of that, all of that, I went through all of it. We've so, all heard it. Yeah. So I was like, firstly, I disappointed them because I wasn't a doctor and then I wasn't in, an engineer. And so if you can't be an engineer, you become an accountant. I'm sorry for the accountants out there. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I, I, I did that and I just hated it and I was miserable. So I was like, you know what? I really tried for you guys. Like, and the thing is like you, as you were saying, they face so much, so much struggle coming here. And a lot of us internalize that guilt as well. Mm. And we really try, but I got to a point where I was like, I've tried so much for you guys. Obviously the criticism doesn't end. And so I need to start claiming back who I am at some point. And I'm not going to quit my job until like, I'm not going to be stupid. I'm not just going to like quit it and like go and be like irrational about it. I'm doing it on the side of my job. There's nothing to worry about. And once they saw that it was like, not just me selling clothes out of my garage, like it was an actual real business that like I put a lot of thought and effort into, I think they started to take it more seriously. And the fact that I was able to start to reconnect to my culture, mm. they yeah. loved it. So they're fully on board now. That's, yeah, awesome. that's awesome. I think it's like the whole thing of, um, you know, you did bring me to this country to give us a better life, yeah. but do you want me to live, a, you know, a safe and stable life or do you want me to elevate us to a new yes, level? Yeah, exactly. and take those risks, right? Yeah. Which, which a country like Australia or Western countries in general give you the opportunity to do yeah. because maybe in South Asian countries starting a business like that – you know, is more risky and it'd be more difficult to do. Um, You know, even going into like creative industries and stuff like that is a lot harder to do in those countries. Whereas in a Western country like Australia, it's received differently and you can still have a really good future by doing these things, but because they're not used to seeing it, they don't understand how it can work here. But it's awesome to hear that they're on board now. (laughs) Mm. It's also cool to see people our age who look like us taking the leap because Mm. it just encourages other people to do the same. Like it's possible. Like we see what you're doing and we know it's possible. Definitely. Yeah. Um, You mentioned just before that they liked that you were connected to your roots Mm. and that, you know, you're going to Bangladesh more. And I I believe your, your tailors and all that production happens there. Um, What part does giving back Mm. play in that? Because obviously your background's Bangladeshi. So it's awesome to see that you've, chosen sort of that motherland yes. to, to support them and their economy yeah. and the livelihoods of those people. Yeah. So well, what does that part play? Such a huge role. I mean, I think we just hear horror stories about all like the factories and yeah, like the big corporations, the sweatshops um, that kind of like use like our countries for their gain. And I was just really conscious of like not doing that. Um, firstly, the tailors that um, are in my team I've known them for a really long time they've been my family's tailors and so they were so excited to start this endeavor with me and the fact that I would only see them like every four or five years before and I get to see them every year they're actually a part of our family now and so just that kind of like relationships like the way that it's developed and how I'm like learning to speak the cult like the language and like just being so enamored with the culture it's just been like such an eye-opening experience for me and the more I go back the more like I see how much change we can actually make just by going back and like bringing back the messages and like there's so many things that we can do so it's something that I'm really conscious about. Mm, that's yeah, awesome. that's amazing yeah. that you've chosen, like you've made the conscious decision yeah. to do that. What about, so we know that, you know, in 2021, we, there's a lot of environmental issues that we are facing and we need to confront um, and the textiles and 
the fashion industry does have a big role to play in that. Um, does your brand do anything keeping in mind kind of a sustainability mindset? Yep, absolutely. So I've been really conscious of not wasting materials at all. So mm. um, I'll spend the extra money to rent out extra space um, just so I can keep anything that hasn't been used because I know I can use it at a later date. Um, and if I don't find any use for it, I'll actually give it back to the people that I bought it from. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and they'll just give me like some sort of credit note or like it just helps me to create like a good relationship with them. And that way... Um, I don't have to like throw anything away like yeah. this it's like valuable material um and I just don't want to put that back into the earth yeah, yeah. that's awesome because oh, you hear awesome. about like big brands like Nike and yeah, Adidas things. and stuff yeah, yeah doing weird. yeah it's strange yeah it's yeah. so wasteful and it's so toxic to the yeah, planet exactly. so Definitely. it's cool hearing like boutiques like you doing yeah. yeah the extra mile and I think another thing's fast fashion which is obviously like a big thing that contributes to paying people peanuts to yeah. create clothes and stuff so I guess with your brand not being a fast fashion brand and being truly unique pieces, you know, that's being quality controlled and everything is also a really great way, I, I guess, of, of looking at it from an environmental point of view too. Um, and I guess the other side of it is um, obviously your fashion label is a South Asian fashion label. Why did you choose that over Western clothing? Because you've obviously, you're very stylish and you probably could have done that, you know, the Western side of it yeah. as well. But why did you choose South Asian clothing? Um. I chose South Asian clothing because um, it just felt closer to my heart and it was a way for me to use all of my influences growing up and I didn't have to deny any parts of myself um, mm. when I create the design. So if I was just doing streetwear, which I really like, could I could have done and I think I would have enjoyed too, I, I wouldn't be able to use my like entire self. So it was a way for me to just be really true to my like my culture, which is both Western and like that's Bengali nice. culture. So I think that's why I wanted to do it. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. When um, Romy and I were kind of brainstorming how to tackle this episode, um, you know, there were so many things that came to mind when we were having that discussion because, you know, clothes play such an important role for people like us to ground us to our culture. Um, so a reflection that I had was um, in school, like we'd go to the temple or we'd go to a function in traditional clothes. And then after that, we'd go to like the shopping center or like Macca's or something. And I'd be like super conscious of the fact that I stand out from everyone else because I'm wearing traditional clothes and no one else is. Yeah. Um, but then I got into like later parts of high school where we'd have like Harmony Day or Multicultural Day where you were meant to like you're encouraged to wear yeah. traditional clothes and I'd want to like rep that. Yeah. So that whole um, the whole thing of being like, you know, I'm different. I'm going to stand out. Yeah. I've got this cool culture. We've got yeah. these colorful and great clothes I'm going to represent. Yeah. And um, a couple of years ago, we had like a Diwali event at work and I, I knew it was in my calendar and I knew that people would be dressing up for it, but I didn't know how many so I was just like forget about it I'm not going to do it I got into work and all the South Asians were wearing oh. traditional clothes and I wasn't yeah. and I just felt like so like hyper-conscious and guilty yeah. or that and ashamed that I wasn't embracing yeah. it yeah so just thinking of like like reflecting on that just all the like opportunities we have to dress up in our culture I feel like we take yeah. up now like if yeah. you go from if you're going to like a yeah. like a wedding right yeah like you're more likely to wear a sari for a reception than yeah i mean if you dress right yeah i mean like i'm sure you can relate to this as well tamana like even if you go to like a brown person's reception i will find any opportunity to wear like a lehenga or a sari right you yeah. don't wear a dress yeah because yeah. you wear a dress every other day of yeah. the year yeah um which is so interesting do you find that um with you as well as the people who purchase your outfits as well um, I think so. And 
like I've really wanted to um, create designs that I can wear both at like events and weddings and stuff and also in my day-to-day so I can try to like creep my culture back into my day-to-day because I did grow up not wanting to like be seen in like a salad garment at McDonald's like if I was at like family gathering um, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else after that I just want to go straight home and like take it off but coming around and like actually embracing it and being proud of like our traditional clothing is such a powerful feeling. So I tried to like make my design something that you could wear on the street and like style it up differently. And it could be like a conversation starter. Like, where did you get that? It looks so yeah. different to what's actually like available. And I, I just think it's so liberating to be able to kind of like put it in my day to day. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like now as an adult, when I wear traditional clothes and I'm out somewhere yeah. and I get looks, I'm like ready to yeah. be like, this is where I come from, bro. Like <laughs> you, you have questions you can ask me. You look at me funny, but you yeah. know. Um, and I think also like growing up in the West, as we accept our culture more, as we grow older, I feel like we also tend to see the beauty mm. in, in that clothing as well um, and how unique it is and just how, yeah, just how beautiful it is. And, you know, when you're wearing a day-to-day, like mm. the people in South Asian countries would, yeah. you don't realise that. Yeah. Um, and they tend to try to be a bit more like westernised yeah. and stuff, whereas we kind of do the opposite. Mm. And that's happened to me. Like when I go back to Sri Lanka and there's like an event and I wear a salvar or something and then people there are like wearing a dress yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> it's like the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the other side of it too is when you go to an Indian event or a South Asian event and you see a non-South Asian person wearing a sari or like our traditional clothes I don't know how everyone feels about it but I think it's awesome to see people embrace our culture like that especially dressing to the occasion and going the extra length to like purchase like a sari that they didn't need to that's so true yeah Yeah. I think I think that was a case where someone wanted Someone I know wanted to wear traditional clothes, but they're like, am I being like, am I culturally appropriating? Yeah. I'm like, nah, because you're being respectful about yeah, it and you're embracing the culture. Exactly. It's, it's like music clips. Like, I think, is it Lean On? Yeah. yeah there's yeah, like the a music video for Lean On. It's, it's a music clip for like a dance song and people like dancing in traditional Indian clothes, which has been like anglicized. And it just like feels really yeah, out of place. I think it we feels know, really like weird. we're smart enough to know what, when it feels right and wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 And sure. by the way, it was Lean On by Major Lazer and DJ yeah. Snake. You'll probably know oh, it. Oh, yeah, you I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's the second between podcast as beef with Major <laughs> Lazer. I know, Major Lazer. <laughs> Change your video clips, mate. <laughs> um, uh, another thing that I kind of appreciate now that we've kind of come into the, the modern world and we're shopping for traditional clothes online is that less trips to India, you know, sitting in the summer, waiting while your your mum is going through all the saris in the sari shop trying to figure yeah. out what you want. Yeah. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true because it's like a whole experience it in itself, right? Experience. They bring you tea and like yes. juice and stuff. And the men are putting know. on the sari. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you ask for like a pink sari and yep. they pull out 500, yes. which just gets super I know. And then you're like, I just feel so guilty that they're have to like pack it all up i just yeah. used to feel like really guilty for like so doing that true. and my my cousin's like no 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 get it get out more <laughs> <laughs> um and then i guess like in our south asian community clothing also plays a significant part in religion as well right mm-hmm. um you know you see some muslim women wear a hijab um you know at sikh temples at the gurdwara like i had i went to a sikh wedding once and i had to cover my hair with you know, the dupatta or the shawl. So it's really interesting to see how that's also part of people's identity. Mm-hmm. Like it's clothing that's used to to really stand out and, and show that they're proud of their religion and background too, which I think is really admirable, especially in a country like 
Australia and the Western world where you do get looks and, you know, yeah. I'm sure those people have faced maybe some discrimination because of it, yeah. but regardless, they still wear their culture proudly. Yeah. yeah, it also comes back to, you know, putting the effort to understand why people wear what they do. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes people make assumptions, like we see it in the media about why people wear burkas mm. or uh, things like that without yeah. understanding the significance of it. So yeah, there's definitely that to look into as well. Maybe it's a good episode to come back to in the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess also looking at your business uh, and the type of clothing that you put out, um, obviously South Asian clothing is so diverse, Mm -hmm. right? Like the the bases are similar, like it's a sari or a salvar or suit, whatever you call it. But you can go to just even different states in India yeah. and like different countries in South Asia, and yeah. the way they wear it is yeah. so diverse. Yeah. Do you see that firsthand? Like when you like, have you travelled around, or, or when you're doing your research mm-hmm. for your patterns and ideas? Yeah. Do you see that firsthand? Um, well, this time when I went uh, by myself, so last year before coronavirus ruined everything, um, I did start to go around like the different villages that were near Taka um, just so I could do my own research. And it was just so interesting to me because previously when I'd gone to Bangladesh, like I'd be with my family and I didn't really have time to do anything like that. So it is actually so beautiful. And I, I, made a pact to myself that I was going to like spend a lot of time just like watching firsthand as like the women actually create things by hand because before I didn't really have an appreciation of like why my mum would be wearing like a certain sari or like where it came from Mm. but now that I look into it it's every every single item of clothing that she has such a has such a like rich history Mm. and a lot of us don't have an appreciation of that because I think we're just so far removed from it you can't really blame us so just being able to do my own research firsthand has been like so eye-opening yeah and then I guess around that too where does the inspiration come from for your outfits that you design is it looking at different parts of South Asia and like kind of melding it together or taking inspiration from from different parts of that um I so I think what I do for like my designs is like I just think about the feeling that I want for from a certain outfit or like a character I want to play I love that so, <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome. how I do it so like it's just like a character I want to play so I just work back from that and then somehow add my own spin on it and that's just how I dress on a day-to-day basis so I just took the same sort of rationale and applied it to my designing um and I just was really conscious of being able to show like a range of like different moods and vibes you can get from just simply putting on an outfit and this year so I started like categorizing everything so the first one is pastels very fun like fresh sassy um and like just very flirtatious and the next one's going to be completely different um so it's just a way that I can keep it like really fun and exciting and yeah like that's just how I design I don't know like if it's the right or wrong way I've not had no. any like oh, that's so interesting I've not, yeah. no, it's, I, I've not had any like traditional like um like training or anything or like I've not gone to design school it's just the way that like comes naturally to me yeah that makes it even more yeah. amazing yeah. What you're doing. it does because it's really bringing your own identity to the pieces of clothing like mm-hmm. you're not just looking at what's mainstream or what you know what will bring you those sales you're yeah. genuinely looking at what interests you mm-hmm. and what it is that you'd want to put out into the world and I think that's what separates you know good designers from other ones um I'll ask both of you this question but what's your favorite South Asian clothing to wear for me a birthday is so comfortable I feel Mm -hmm. like it how do I explain it it's like a sarong but like a white one that Tamil yeah it's more formal than a sarong yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd cheat and I'd wear some like I wear shorts under and like tie it with a belt because I do not want to risk it falling off off. because the kurta's like going past your knees right 
So if it does fall off, like people wouldn't be able to tell if you're wearing anything underneath. Yeah, because you wear it with a kurta. Yeah, yeah that's a good, that's a good Anyway, idea. it is so like like airy and liberating. It is the best. But what they need to do is they make need to make elastic ones. So it's just easy to chuck on and yeah. They on. have Velcro ones. That's a business. That's, there you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you, can can do, you can start <laughs> like can a... <laughs> oh, I don't know what my favourite is. I reckon it's between a sari or a lehenga. Mm. Same. Yeah. Same. They're beautiful. Yeah, you just feel so good in either one. Yeah. I can't really know. It's either those two. Yeah, mm. and it's so versatile, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, you can get different blouses and yeah. stuff and, like, that's so much fun. Do you feel like learning how to tie a sari is like a rite of passage? I have not been able to just do that. I've tried so hard and it just doesn't look like how my mom does it. So I just feel really frustrated and like, <laughs> I just like don't do it. Um, I made pre-pleated saris because I just didn't know how to tie saris. That's, That's, such, yeah. a good idea. That's <laughs> such a good idea because I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I've never even attempted to tie a sari. I've really tried it. It looks like trash when I do it. And also that and also the fact that me and my mom get into a fight every time she does it for me because I'm like, no, it's not like the last time you did it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, do it like the last time and she gets angry and then I get angry and then we just end up having a fight. <laughs> so yeah, the pre-pleated saris. Pre-pleated saris is like work smart, not hard. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because like then it stays neat. It looks good. You go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> you got to lift up and then you're like worried yeah. that something I know. might I guess fall that's a big con with South Asian clothes is that it's a lot harder to go toilet than yeah. other yeah. Well, Western like, clothing. Just exist because I'm not used to wearing a sari. Mm. I find it hard to manoeuvre sometimes. Yeah, mm. getting like, in and out of the car. Like as yeah. soon as I've gotten out of the car, my God, it's already ruined and I haven't yeah. even entered the event yet. Yeah, People happy. sleep in, in saris in Bangladesh. It's insane. It's so, I, I saw like a woman doing backflips. Oh yeah! And, like, that video has been doing the rounds. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I think it's also interesting because saris are like a one size fits all, mm. right? Yeah. Like I never thought of that till then. And you and I had the conversation. Same with the virtues, um, yeah. Yeah, same with virtues. You don't need to worry about sizes. So wrong, so. Yeah. I guess from a like a production point of view as well, that makes it a little bit easier, right? Because you're not having to worry about yeah you know, manufacturing different sizes of the same dress. Kind of, but then the blouses need to fit like a right. glove. So even if the saris are really easy, the, like right. the, it's harder to get the, the blouse blouses right. need to fit like a glove. So I think that's where all my effort goes into. Interesting. Mm, right. Yeah. Are you um, thinking about expanding your male range? I had so many plans before coronavirus. So literally the world was my oyster. Um, but I think after COVID, I just had to be like a little bit smarter about like how I kind of like add things and like um, it's just because I haven't been able to go back. I haven't been able to like actually fabric source for men's stuff. So I really, really wanted to. Um, but yeah, maybe after I go back to Bangladesh, I can actually put so much more effort into like the men's side of things. Mm. Yeah. Were you affected? Um, obvi- I mean, obviously everyone was affected by COVID, yeah. but did you, did your business take a big hit? Because you, you were still relatively mm. new, right? So mm. it's like what in your second or third year of being yep. a business, yep. the pandemic hit. Yeah. So I quit my job. So it was, Everything was going really well. And then I quit my job in November um, of 2019. Uh, 2019. And then I think Corona hit, um, like the, we first started hearing about it in December or January. And so it was literally like a month after I quit my job that oh my a pandemic had hit the earth. So it was like, I just told myself, oh, like, what's the worst that can happen when you quit your job? Like, really? People do it every day. And then a pandemic hits. Oh, my God. So, literally the yeah, worst literally thing. Literally the happen. worst thing to, to ever happen. Um, but yeah, I was like really affected by it. Like even I think there's always like a way around it, but I think the way it affected me, I had like, um, I just had no idea how to kind of navigate myself through like 
not being able to do so many things that I took for granted before and also the fact that I was like stuck at home it really affected my mental state yeah. and like just running a business it it really solely relies on how healthy your like mental state is like if you're not going to be able to get something done there's no one else there to do it for you it's mm. it really reliant on you so being able to like kind of like try to like get up and be positive every day was really hard um, especially because I'm such a social being and not being able to like go outside and like like see people it, it just really affected me mm. um so I think once I got through that I was able to like start like um like doing initiatives into how I can like pivot pivot mm. all the things yeah. that were coming my way yeah and I guess because there weren't many events happening last year yeah, right exactly Did, that would have also would have been hard to predict what sales and stuff yeah, would have been like definitely. especially when you're not working yeah. outside of that either. Yeah, yeah. yep definitely oh my gosh that's intense yeah. <laughs> I would have been panicking like yeah. every day <laughs> like can I have my job back <laughs> <No>. please <laughs> <laughs> well yeah like I think there's always like a ways around it if you have like like a really like can do mindset so like what I did was just like start producing like more casual clothes that people could wear like not like to lounge around in or like just for like everyday things so I think that's how I tried to like kind of navigate my way through it but yeah it, it's all dependent on how like much like effort you you can go to and if you don't have a men like a if you're not in the right place like headspace to do it it's like really hard mm. so yeah once I got over the kind of like corona depression that I think hit a lot of people I was able to like start yeah. doing it again you have to be super agile and flexible really right? agile and flexible yeah. yeah resilient yeah really resilient yeah definitely have you had any mentors to help you with your business um no I've always really wanted a mentor you guys know anyone <laughs> hit them up for me because I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know the, the more you speak, the more like impressive it is how far you've come yeah, all by and, yourself. And without, yeah. yeah. So do you do all the, do you basically do everything on your own from like the, um, the designs to the, the marketing to all the creative? So I do the, so I do the design in Australia and then I go to Bangladesh and then I've got like a team of like um, tailors and um, like quality assurance people. So people who like look at, the process every step of the way and like make sure it gets to customers um right so like I do that that's in Bangladesh and I set that up and then I came when I came back to Australia when I come back to Australia I do the marketing and I've got a photographer who I work with um and a few makeup artists but yeah at the end of the day like when it all comes back to me I like I'm the one that's like communicating with the customers um like and just kind of putting everything out there. So I guess, yeah. That's yeah, insane. That's like, amazing. Like you said, you didn't have a mentor to show you the ropes and you didn't go to design school. Yeah. So you're yeah, doing it insane. all from like learning and growing throughout the process. Yeah, and I, saw, so I remember dope. seeing an old video of yours um, where you showed how you package the clothes oh, and you yeah. and your mum sew yeah. on the label and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is just <laughs> insane. Do you still do that? Yeah, yeah, we still do that. Oh yeah, my god, That's something that me and my mum do together. Yeah. Wow. And I guess that's, that's a nice way of bringing her into yeah. a business that she didn't originally yeah, she, approve yeah, of. It's like that dog that brand people get that the parents don't really want, but then they really <laughs> love it afterwards. And then it's, it's like their babies. So now yes. this business has like become your parents' yeah. baby. That's so good. Um, what's your kind of big picture vision um, for your brand? I think I just want to keep creating um, just really fire designs that push the envelope a little bit um, and spark conversation and make people feel um, just good about themselves. Um, I want to keep growing my community um, and that's just not to like make sales or anything. It's just I love giving people a space where they feel like, you know, like 
that brown person that grew up in a Western culture, like they they feel seen and heard. Mm. So I love the fact that like people can come onto my page or like and communicate with me and actually feel like we can share our frustrations together. We can talk shit and like just be ourselves, and we don't have to like deny any parts of ourselves to kind of like fit in. Because I always no. felt like growing up, like you're too brown for like to like properly fit into western culture and you were too foreign to kind of fit in mm. to the motherland yeah. so, but yeah. now like we've kind of reclaimed that space and we can yeah. just like just simply be i love that you know that's yeah that's yeah. awesome and I, I remember your um I, I don't know if it's changed now but your insta bio said empowering south asian um hotties oh yeah and i love that and i think what you just spoke to 100 yeah. percent like does that and your whole branding and all of your content yeah. definitely does that too which i think also adds to kind of the uniqueness because you do push the envelope and you do kind of don't just go through like the traditional route. Um, where does inspiration, I guess, for your like ad campaigns and mm. stuff come from? Because they're also really unique. Is it, you know, you're asleep and you dream about stuff <laughs> or do you see things and then go, oh, this would be cool? Uh, I don't know. Like the, I've just taught myself how to use, I've, like my skills are really basic, but like, do you know the Premiere? Mm-hmm. So I use Premiere and like other few like um, video editing softwares. Do, it's literally just like what I'm capable of on that day. Like <laughs> I try so hard, but like, it's just, um, it's again, like the, the sort of feeling that I want to get. So I'm like super mm. into like music and like having that be like a catalyst for like the vibe that I'm going for. And I just feel like music and fashion go so well mm. hand in hand. And when like an idea comes to me, like I have to see that through. So it could be in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh yeah, that song like will really work. Or like I'll be listening to something and I'll like have to create a, like a video to like a, a particular song. But I'm so glad you said that because I do put in a lot of effort. No, with, like, you can, and you can marketing. tell, right? And it doesn't That's need so nice. to be like whiz bang, super complicated editing yeah. or anything. It can just be something funky out of the ordinary. Yeah. And that's what people like. Um, and I think, you know, the, the point you made around um, getting backlash for um, putting out clothing that's maybe not super traditional. I think to the flip side of that, I have also seen some of your styles, especially with your blouses, where mm-hmm. you do cater for people who are a bit more conservative in the yeah. way they're dressed. So I think there is a lot of versatility with that yeah. too, where yeah. if you want, you could, you know, sew a, a full sleeve oh, blouse yeah, definitely. that's yeah. longer. And yeah. yeah, I've always just been an advocate of wearing exactly what you want to wear, whether it's super conservative clothing or if you want to show skin, you can do that too. But I'm so sick of the narrative of like, what you wear determines if you're a good or bad person and that's such a prevalent thing in our culture that like the women would really attest to um so I'm just really trying to push back on that because I just don't want that to kind of seep into like the next generation yeah we're talking about it in our third episode where we interviewed um someone who's a PhD scholar studying uh, gender roles in South Asian films. And she was talking about how if you look at movies, you find that the defiant kind of modern girl Mm -hmm. would wear kind of more revealing forms of saris. Whereas the domesticated ones, which are meant to be more conservative and the, you know, ideal woman in air quotes, wears a a bit more conservatively. They're showing less skin. It's a bit more traditional. And then they would get married like this is in movies and they'd be wearing like modern clothing and yeah. like not, not be conservative. And then they get married and then all of a sudden they're in a sari. Yeah. <laughs> so like depict that domesticated yeah. woman yeah. or whatever, or the more traditional woman. And, yeah. and to your point before about that narrative of the way you dress is, is what defines you and whether you're a good or bad woman. Another one of our episodes was on sexual violence. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how a lot of the time the narrative comes with, you know, if a woman sexually assaulted or oh, yeah. what would she wear? Yes, but exactly. like, why does that matter? Exactly. And that really, I feel like, is a, is a narrative within our community yes. in particular yes. where 
it's up to the women to dress conservatively mm-hmm. to stop men from, you know, mm-hmm. sexually assaulting them. Mm-hmm. But why are men thinking like mm-hmm. that in the yeah. first place? So I guess with our culture, we kind of make assumptions about people, like you said, based on what they're wearing. Yeah. Whereas the attitude that you're trying to express is that it ha- doesn't have anything to do with a character. It's more about yourself, yes. what you're comfortable with and your self-expression. Exactly. Which is dope. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess to close up, do you have any recommendations for our listeners? It can be anything, a book, a TV show. Um, obviously this podcast. <laughs> listen to you don't all need to say that. To say that. <laughs> no, listen to every single one of them. Um, this one, and have you guys listened to Bobo and Flex? Flex Mummy. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I love um, that podcast as well. Like they just don't hold back on anything. So, um, that's become part of my morning routine. Um, I love uh, any sort of like documentary on like people like pursuing their dreams. So there's this documentary called Defiant Ones on Netflix. Mm. Have you seen? Mm, the, yeah. I, I think the Dr. I saw a Dre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really good. Yeah, it's yeah. like a five part documentary with on um, th- what's his name? Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it just goes really in depth on like literally what it takes to make your dreams come true and yep. it's just not easy people always see like the glitz and glamour mm. at the end of it but like the, the shit that they had to go through to like make like i think become millionaires at the end of it from like the headphones but it just it takes a lot so i just love watching yeah. things like that mm. yeah i yeah. love seeing like even this conversation hearing all the behind the scenes of yeah. like artistic projects yeah. so you know this conversation was dope as well yeah, yeah, yeah cool. definitely well thank you so much you for, for coming on <laughs> you're a delight and Totally, very, very inspirational. I think, yeah, yeah for, for everyone listening. For sure. You know, clothes play such a big part in our culture. Mm. So the way you're bringing it into the modern world is super dope. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing more of your men's range. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll get on to it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To see more from Damana's line, be sure to check out her Instagram at TheManaTheLabel. As mentioned at the start of the episode, we want to hear from you. We would like to do an episode on lived experiences of racism and would love to hear your stories. We'll put up a question on our Insta story at stuckinbetween underscore podcast for you guys to answer and DM us on your experiences. Don't worry, it'll remain completely anonymous and we'll pick a few stories to unpack. Yep, we're so keen to hear from you and tune in for our next episode where we chat with Nadia Jagasar from the Netflix show Indian Matchmaking. Bye!